Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Political State Podcast. I'm Ben Felder with The Oklahoman. And joining me in the Oklahoman's podcast studio this week is Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt, who's been in office for nearly 14 months, right? Uh, that sounds about right. Just yeah. over, I believe. Yeah. Just over just over a year here. Um, Mayor, thanks so much. Welcome. Yeah, well, thank you very much. We've just determined perhaps this is my inaugural appearance on this podcast, although not my inaugural appearance on a Ben Felder podcast. I've followed you throughout your podcast career. Yeah, we don't have time to get into all the stops uh, <laughs> that I've made in my short time here in Oklahoma. But yeah, I'm surprised that this is your first time on this <laughs> podcast, considering it's been going on for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, we can't avoid it anymore. You've become mayor. We've, we've held out, and uh, we, ha- we finally have to have My ban has been lifted. Thank you, Ben. Well, uh, we appreciate your time and welcome. And I will say that if if at some point within a few hours of doing this podcast that mm-hmm. I don't see a tweet from you mm-hmm. announcing you were on the podcast, <laughs> I'm going to feel really excited because you have become oh, well. kind of the Twitter mayor. And it looks like this tweet's going to happen well, yeah. right now. Well, we need to like, well, at least create the material for it. Here, we'll take a quick picture. Uh, so we've got that. You can't hear me taking this picture, but... Uh all right, it's official. Right, We've got the we go. photo. We'll get and that I out later. Tweet pretty soon. <laughs> I say that because you have be- become a, a mayor that I think for most citizens, or maybe not most, but citizens who obviously are on social media, uh, you know, know you from from Twitter. And I, I wonder, did you know you're going to be that active? I know you were when you were in the Senate, the state mm-hmm. Senate, but did you know that you wanted to make that kind of one of your primary platforms and tools? I guess I just didn't know any other way to be. Uh, you know, I, I like sharing what I'm up to, and I like uh, you know being responsive to people. People. Quite often, especially if they're kind of in social media field, will come up to me and ask, you know, like, is that really you? Like, you know, they, because I, I recognize that, you know, most political figures have some sort of team who does it for them or something, or maybe it's half them and half their team. But I have never allowed anyone else to have the password uh, ever. I, I think it's uh, too dangerous and inauthentic. So I, I do it all myself. And so anytime you see me respond, that's really me. Um, and I guess I just don't know any other way to do it. I, I I really try to respond to everything unless it's just kind of off the wall and it just there's really it seems like more of a rhetorical statement than anything else but otherwise yeah no I try to try to be accessible and yeah it's a it's it's a lot of work in a sense but you know I usually know the answers so uh, you know I just kind of fire it off as I go and um, I've done it so long now that I feel comfortable with it um, I wouldn't trust necessarily everybody to do that but uh, but I think I, I haven't made any major mistakes yet. So, yeah, I, I enjoy that aspect of it. I do try to remind people, I mean, you know, there's still well over half the city probably that doesn't frequently use social oh, yeah. media. Yeah. <laughs> so it's important to remember that you're not actually talking to every citizen when you when you put stuff out. And even though I use three mediums, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I'm still, you know, not reaching everybody by any means, you know, through that. It's a, although it's interesting that, um, you know, traditional media, like even the paper and, mm-hmm. and the TV stations, will ta- they all follow me. They're all mm-hmm. almost universally on social media. So they'll use, you know, the, the comments or pictures I share for, you know, their stories. And I think that's great. And that way, that way you know, I'm using the new mediums, but, uh, you know, getting exposure to people who maybe still rely on traditional mediums. Yeah. And there's an aspect of your Twitter that's kind of the normal politicking, you know, here I'm at, at this event or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but you've also kind of become pretty prolific in responding to constituents. I mean, if somebody tweets, 
even if they're complaining, mm. you know, my, my trash pickup was late today. <laughs> you know, you're liable to respond with a thread about how the <laughs> repainting of, of trash trucks led to this ripple effect. You know, I mean, you know, and, yeah. and maybe half the time person's like, well, I just wanted to vent. But, but you're yeah. right. There is, you, you have the, you have the knowledge, kind of the right. insider knowledge and what's happening at the city. And yeah. so you, you seem to use that. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Maybe I just help them get their trash picked up and connect them to OKC Action or something. But sometimes I, you know, if I get two or three of those and yeah, there's some backstory, I might share it. Yeah. in a thread, you know, and, and sometimes I just wake up one day and I'm like, you know, I need to talk. I, I've never really talked about. I remember there was a day, I think it was a Sunday. It's usually a weekend, you know, it was a Sunday. It was like, I've never really kind of shared my thoughts on the next pro sports team, you know? And so mm-hmm. I did like a 20 tweet thread on that, you know, kind of explaining all of that for anybody who might be interested. And, and I find those are always well received. And um, and I wish I had time to just do that, you know, just be like a, um, a, a person who's out there explaining, you know, city government as much as I can. I wish I could do a lot more like on our budget that we just that we just passed. But sometimes time just doesn't allow it. But that's always been an element um, of my public service when I was a senator and now as a mayor of trying to explain, trying to bridge that disconnect, um, you know, that people have. Uh, they often don't really understand who does what and why they do it. And and um, and I think there is some interest out there. And I think um, public officials often do the public and themselves a disservice by not better explaining those things and just being honest, you know, and just, you know, sometimes I tell people what they don't want to hear, which is that I can't fix that. Mm-hmm. For instance, the people who tweet me almost every hour about stopped trains in Oklahoma City, you know, but but we got a link, you know, to the Corporation Commission and we can share that, you know, but um, but, you know, a lot of times it's me telling people, look, the mayor doesn't really influence that. And but here's, you know, you know, here I try to be like a yes, if person, not a no, because, you know, so your problem can be solved if you go, you know, pursue this route. And as somebody who's worked at every level of government, I kind of do know how to play that traffic engineer a lot for people. But, you know, by doing that, you kind of do put a bigger spotlight on yourself. And and you also maybe uh, in the public's mind, you become responsible for more things. I think, you know, this is a this is a fairly weak mayor system in terms of, I mean, on the council, you have a vote and you have certain powers mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and FYI, that was my phone that rang, not the mayor. So uh, <laughs> I don't want people to think that he was rude and didn't turn off his phone. But um, And what I mean by that is I think in the past, and I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism, but you know there are certain aspects of city life or, or city issues that would happen. And you may go to the mayor, and especially if it's con- you know, controversial maybe, the mayor would say, well, listen, I'm, I'm just one vote on the council. I'm not, re- mm-hmm. you know, there's a department that oversees that. Um, and you don't really seem to defer to that, to, to the weak the weak part of your position. I mean, you t- well, seem I to really embol- embol- yeah. you understand your platform, I guess is what well, I'm I saying. suppose, but I certainly don't want to mislead anybody. I certainly, you know, if they want a major policy change, I'm not going to, not tell them that look you have ultimately you got to get five votes on the council for that you know i can't unilaterally make that change and i'm i'm not shy about telling people that but at the same time i'm not shy about yeah just being accessible on all issues because i think people expect that i mean people regardless of their system that they live in basically all look at their mayors the same you know i mean the the mayor the people of new york look at their mayor pretty much the same way as the people of oklahoma city look at their mayor you know nobody wants me to tell them call the city manager, you know, because yeah. <laughs> they can't elect the city manager. So I feel like, yeah, I have to I have to play that ombudsman liaison role um, no matter what the topic is. Now, again, it may be me sort of kind of handing things off or explaining, you know, what the path that person should follow that may or may not involve me. Um, but I definitely want to to weigh in and, and be responsive. And, and I don't 
I don't know. Maybe if that implies responsibility, so be it. But um, I certainly embrace um, whatever responsibility it is that I'm expected to have and don't shirk from that um, and and kind of like let the chips fall where they may on, on that regards. Yeah. Well, going back to just your, your embrace mm-hmm. of Twitter, I thought something that might be a little interesting to do would be a little a little Mayor Holt Twitter trivia. So I want to ask you. I just I was kind of taking a look at some some Twitter reports for your for your feed, um, and was just curious how much you may or may not know. Maybe okay. you do look at these reports. Maybe you don't. Right. I think you may. Even if you don't, I think you may. It'd be interesting to see what your guesses would be on some of these questions. But so here, so I looked up the, the user that you have replied to the most. So the person on Twitter <laughs> that you have replied to the most. Oh, this is hilarious. Uh, I'm curious. Who do you think that might that oh, might gosh. be? I. I um, I mean, there are definitely like some regulars, and I'd recognize their names probably if you oh, yeah. said. But. Oh yeah. Who? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, you, and there's gonna, probably when you become mayor of the city, there's probably a folder that someone hands you and say, "This is going to be one of your responsibilities to interact with." <laughs> oh this well, I mean, Steve Lackmeyer, obviously. You've got the right yeah, answer. Okay. Yes, yeah. so Steve, Lack, the Oklahoman, Steve Lackmeyer. It's in the is, charter. Yeah, is somebody that you have re- <laughs> is the person you responded to the most um, okay. by by a large amount. That's um, a, that's it, great. Yes, perfect. Of course. Yes. Okay. No, I think it's it's in the charter. It's like you must preside over the council meetings. You must make at least eighty percent of them. You must deal with Steve Lackmeyer. Yes. Yeah, I think okay. <laughs> uh, you're and I think this one may be pretty Hope easy he for you. To yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, we'll see if he does. I'm not going to say anything to him. I'm just going to put it on him to tell me. Um, your most used hashtag. I think this will be easy for you. Oh, one OKC. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So hashtag the, <laughs> well, the number one. I didn't one. know you could do this. You could you could just pull this up. I would, yeah. Okay, this there's, is fun. Keep yeah, going. There's, ver- there's various services out there. It took me uh-huh. a while to find a free one because I didn't want to pay for it. But uh, um, but uh, but yeah, you can you can look okay. up uh, look up all this information on your tweet. So okay, your most retweeted tweet. <sighs> Um, well, I do know I have an innate sense that all of my most popular tweets relate to the Thunder. You'd be correct. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have a, an official ranking, but I just I know that to be true. And I actually I kind of remember um, in the last year there was one that sort of went extra. Like you know, sometimes you get like an, a thousand likes or something, and that's kind of like a memorable day. But um, it was I think it was. Um, oh no, you didn't. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you care to explain explain this tweet? So, um, what, who are we playing? Was it the, the Timberwolves? The Timberwolves. So we were playing the Timberwolves, and uh, their star, whose name escapes me, uh, Wiggins. Andrew maybe, Wiggins. Yeah, had a really good game, and for whatever reason, the Timberwolves official account decided that what they would tweet was. Um, what did you say? The mayor of Oklahoma City. A picture of Wiggins shooting. I think yeah. he scored forty in that game. Yeah. A career high for him at the time. Yeah. Uh, probably still stands. And yeah, all and they the, said was the, the mayor the, of Oklahoma City. Yeah. So all I, another funny thing is, it seems like my best tweets are my shortest ones. So all I did was I quoted that tweet and I said, "Oh no, you didn't." Yeah. And and um, and just let it go. And then yeah, I think that got over ten thousand likes or something. I didn't write down how many <laughs> likes and retweets it had. I think it was January 9th. It was it was yeah. January of this of this year. But yeah, by far your your most. Yeah, retweeted I think that tweet. was that was that was pretty significant. I don't you know I don't know that I've been over two thousand more than two or three times. So. Okay, uh, your busiest Twitter day. Busiest Twitter day. Do you think this would be something that would I would not be surprised by when you no, I don't I don't know that any <laughs> any one has rhyme or reason uh, it just it's an interesting uh, nugget uh, I don't know I'll have to give Thursday up. oh you mean like day of the week day of the week yeah oh, okay. okay yeah sorry yeah day of the week um, and Thursday. then and then your busiest hour busiest hour um, noon 
6 p.m. 6 p.m. So, guys, 6 p.m. on Thursday. This is like a window into my soul, yeah. Ben. I, I feel like you see me more deeply than I wish you you, you could be able to. That's so, uh, <laughs> at 6 p.m. On, on Thursday, you're liable to be tweeting about the thunder or responding to something that Steve Blackmire, <laughs> Steve Blackmire said. That's so. the typical tweet of the mayor would be a 6 p.m. Thursday tweet to Steve Blackmire well, about the thunder. you know, getting back to kind of your business as mayor, like we said, it's been a little bit more than a year, about 14 months that you've been in office. Um when you look back at your first year, your, your accomplishments, and I, you know, I think there's been a few things that you've gotten done. What, what are you, what are you most proud of? What do you think have been the most significant for you so far in the first year of your your first term? Well, the first thing I would say, you know, and, and Mick had a good line on this. My predecessor, Mick Cornett, said something like, you know, if things are going well, my first question would be, who was the mayor ten years ago? You know, mm-hmm. and so I really believe that to be the case. That so many of the things you're doing are planting seeds, you know, planting trees so that our grandchildren have shade, you know, and so. Um, and as you alluded to earlier, I mean, there's not a lot that, that the mayor of Oklahoma City does unilaterally other than maybe boards and appointments. And we can talk about that. But because you've certainly been someone exploring that issue. But, um, you know, you, you're you're cajoling, you're building coalitions, you're laying the groundwork for later successes. And so when I think about the first year, I mean, I'm pleased in things I've done that I think build that foundation that I could do unilaterally, which is obviously like things like just using social media to to project, you know, the, the the new vision of our city, to use social media to, um, and my own kind of physical presence to to kind of project a new idea of, of what is Oklahoma City? What is it that the mayor and the other city leaders think about? What do they participate in? You know, where are they? And being out and about in a different way is, is symbolic, but it also, I think, has, you know, real substance in that it just makes people feel differently about their city and, and, and makes them pay attention to different things. So I certainly feel like I very deliberately from minute one came in with that intent of using the platform of the position. And so I'm proud of that, you know, I mean, and I think that sort of embodies that whole sort of one OKC Uh message that I've projected. Um, You know, I'd say, more substantively, um, you know, boards and commission appointments. Um, I'll, I'll steal your thunder and Go say ahead. that you came in, um, you know, uh, just uh, you and your team came in just as I was taking office and and evaluated our boards and commissions as they were when I took the oath and, you know, found that they were 90 percent white and 70 percent male. And probably you didn't do this analysis, but probably a similarly high percentage from Northwest mm-hmm. Oklahoma City and probably a similar percentage of, of older generations, you know. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, even before I took office, um, you know, I talked about that and I feel like I followed through. I mean, there's always more appointments to make and I've got a few on my desk right now I need to work on. But um, but as, a, as I've had the opportunity over the last few months, um, you know, I've definitely tried to move that needle. It's probably more of a four-year process because, as we've discussed, you know, they're not uh, – I don't get every appointment on day one. But, um, but I think we've really made a lot of progress there, and that is something the mayor can really more directly control. I mean, ultimately, all those appointments have to be approved by the council, but, um, but it's definitely a, a conversation that is, you know, 99% driven by the mayor, and, and I'm proud of that for sure. I think I'm also proud of how far we are uh, in the MAPS-4 process and how that's been developed. Um, and actually, as we sit here, by the time people listen to this, um, the, the uh, Bill Crum will have checked the council agenda and yeah. he will probably be reporting on the, on the 15 or so things that we're going to hear presentations on because the council agenda comes out on Friday for Tuesday's meeting. And, 
And so everyone soon will, uh, and as they listen to this, they'll already know all the things that we're going to be hearing about. And I think it really reflects, um, you know, the priorities of the citizens uh, here in 2019. And I'm, I'm proud that we've developed a process that so far is continuing to reflect what I think is really important to people. And it's a little different than what's been important to people in the past. And it took, you know, a little bit of leadership to make sure that that was, that that happened, right? That we didn't fall into just the old patterns and end up diverging from where the people of Oklahoma City were just because we were following, you know, the models of, of maps one and maps three. But I think the people have, have made it clear and we've given them the opportunity to make it clear um, that though they really like maps and they like the idea of investing in our city, they have a slightly different subject mm-hmm. matter in mind this time. Yeah, well, you, you referenced that list, mm-hmm. and, and as you said, Oklahoma's Bill Crum is, is going to be reporting on that um, in, in, intensely mm-hmm. um, today and tomorrow. It's Friday afternoon as, as we sit down and talk. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a copy of the list in, in kind okay. of some broad terms. I just kind of wanted to go through some things here and, and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong on some of these things, but here's essentially what we're looking at. You know, Transit's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not necessarily streetcar expan- expansion, but bus rapid transit, bus shelters, traffic signal mm-hmm. priority, uh, health and wellness centers for seniors, um, you know, the State Fair Coliseum, uh, maybe a soccer stadium is on there, parks, trails, homelessness, mental health, Palomar, uh, uh, the beautification, youth centers, innovation district from a job creation standpoint, animal shelter, some endowments. And so that's just a, a broad mm-hmm. kind of brush mm-hmm. of what this list is going to include. But mm-hmm. it's already noticeable that what's absent is just a the, the heavy reliance on large capital projects. You're talking about things like addressing mental health or homelessness, things that you've talked about already. You know, why is why is this the time to include these things, you know, in, in, in the next iteration of MAPS? You know, the, the crisis of 1993, when this whole journey started, was that there was nothing to do here. And that may seem like a superficial problem, but it was it was an existential crisis for our city. And I'm sitting here and you're sitting here and a whole lot of young people, you know, 40 and younger are sitting here in Oklahoma City, largely because we address that. And we may not consciously think that like we're not like, well, I live here because we have a, you know, an NBA team. That sounds preposterous, right? Nobody would say that. But there is this seemingly um, um, critical link between having all of those sort of big city amenities, yeah. entertainment amenities, and your sort of level of interest in living in that place. And so... By building those those foundations in 1993 through a sports arena and a ballpark and a canal and um, you know thereby creating really our first entertainment district um, and just doing all those other things, lots of other things, you know, ripple effects happened in food culture and art culture and um, and music culture and and just and obviously sports culture and so all of those things built upon the foundation of maps and now made a city that we want to live in. Well. So that's all great. That's the story of MAPS. That was the crisis of 1993. But just because the crisis of 1993 was that there was no fun stuff here doesn't mean that that's always going to be the problem. And obviously, when you've invested in those things for 25 years, maybe there's some other things that are now popping up a little bit. And I think as as it's developed uh, and all the investments that we've made through MAPS 1 and MAPS 3, and MAPS 3 now is added a convention center and a park and a streetcar, we basically have all the building blocks of a great American downtown now. And so is that the greatest challenge today or is it mental health and um, domestic violence and homelessness? Um, That seems to be, you know, quite reasonably what now is the crisis. Um, I think an open question might have been a year ago was, well, is that okay? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But like, is that what the people think it is? But I 
through this process of gathering ideas, through being very accessible as I am, and the other eight elected officials at City Hall, all of us kind of being these weather vanes out there, kind of mm-hmm. uh, trying listening uh, to the people of Oklahoma City. Over the last year, I think we determined, yeah, yeah, not only do we see it as, as opinion leaders and policymakers, but everybody's seeing that as the crisis. And look, there's still there's still some stuff maybe on the on the sort of quality of life side that we need to do. We obviously we know what we all know what the thunder has meant to the city. We want to make sure that relationship is strong. You know, there's a, certainly a very valid conversation about all the business that is conducted over at the over at the state fair and and anybody who spends two minutes uh-huh. in that arena knows that it's a dump and that it needs to be addressed. I mean, so those are things that are on the list too. But I mean, if you look at the totality of the list you know, 70, 80% of it is is different kind of stuff, um, a different a deviation from maps one and three. Now, I often say maps one and three, so what, what am I leaving out? Well, I'm leaving out maps two, which really was more a neighborhood-focused, mm-hmm. you know, human capital-focused initiative, maps for kids, building all, you know, rebuilding all the schools in our city. Well, you know, maybe that's the pattern we, we ultimately start to develop into. Maybe it's looking at the core of our city, looking at our quality of life, and then making sure we're taking care of the basics, you know, mm-hmm. and then, okay, maybe then 10 years later, it is time again to make sure we've taken care of the, the core of our city and the quality of life, and then turn again to, you know, the neighborhoods and the human needs of our city. And maybe that's how it develops. We'll let the next mayors figure all that out. But but in, in terms of maps one, two, three, four, I think that's maybe developing into the pattern. And so, Maps 4 is, I think, going to be predominantly focused on what I would characterize as neighborhood needs and human needs, um, and that's where the people of Oklahoma City seem to be, and uh, and it's certainly, as a person immersed in the needs of this community, I, I recognize it too. As the it, That's the crisis we need to address. Certainly what young professionals are focused on, they enjoy the quality of life amenities, but I think when you're trying to attract millennials, you also have to have a city that has a heart, you know, and that's taking care of the least among us and, and is addressing, you know, all of these issues and making sure that a lot of people aren't being left behind uh, just by virtue of the things you've chosen to invest in. So I, I think when you look at that list, it's an exciting, um, you know, uh, uh, thought that we might prioritize those kinds of things for the next 10 years. And, uh, and then I feel like we really are taking care of all the different, you know, um, columns in the ledger that make a great city. Yeah. So it, you previously were, were chief of staff for, mm-hmm. for, for Mayor Cornette. Um, and during your time or, or after, I'm not sure, you, you, wrote, you wrote a book. Uh, yes, put a after. Plug yes. in for the for the book. I don't Thanks. Know, are you still Good. plugging that book? I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure where it is. Actually, down to its last uh, twenty copies or so. At really? Big League, okay. At, at Full Circle Books, so it's almost out of print. Officially. So, so uh, get it while you can. But mm-hmm. Big League City, and it was kind of a story, a little bit about just kind of the you know this kind of history of of trying to rejuvenate downtown a little bit, but really mm-hmm. a focus on you know Mayor Cornette trying to get an NBA team mm-hmm. um, in Oklahoma City. And so if we fast forward 10 or 15 years, you know, and, and someone on your staff were to pen a book about you, maybe J.D. Baker, you know, <laughs> writes, uh, writes a book uh, about yours, what, would, what do you feel like or what do you hope will be kind of the, the seminal effort of yours? Because I think one of the things that comes across in the book is for, for Mayor Cornette, there was this determination to – and it goes beyond it just, just to get a team here. But, mm-hmm. I mean, really focused on the NBA and putting the city in a, chan- in a position – not because just because he was a sports fan and which mm-hmm. he was, but knowing what he f- or feeling like what it would mean to the city mm-hmm. that there was this driving factor to do something that at the time seemed kind of impossible. Yeah. If that book, if a book is written about you, Big League City Two, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's say, um, what do you feel like you would want 
that book to be about when it talks about your time as mayor? Well, I mean, look, you can only bring professional sports to your city for the first time once, you know, and so I always, and I think that is as significant a change in a city's development as almost anything else other than its birth, you know, and, uh, and that's what I wrote in the book. This was that the, the arrival of professional sports was the most important thing um, that had happened in Oklahoma City, positive important thing that had happened in Oklahoma City since the land run. Um, so, you know, I can't, I won't, I won't, that's already been done. That box has been checked, yeah. you know. So even if I brought a second team, it wouldn't never, it would never be as exciting as the first. So I think whatever I accomplish will be slightly more nuanced, you know. But I think that um, what I hope to do is, I think I'm a transitional mayor, you know. I mean, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm sitting in this seat at a time when the city is transitioning demographically. You know, 60% of the kids of Oklahoma City are, are non-white. Um, I think we're, I'm sitting in this chair at a time when we're transitioning generationally. I mean, I'm obviously an example of that. I'm the youngest mayor in a hundred years, but you've got, you know, five of the nine elected officials are, are 40 or younger. Um, and you just see that transition in leadership happening in the private sector, in the public sector, all across the city. Um, I think it's a political transition, obviously, as we've got, you know, we elected our first democratic congressman from Oklahoma city in, in, you know, 40 years last year with Kendra Horn. So, I mean, You've got this 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 transition happening across all fronts, and and my claim to fame, I would hope, is that I manage it in a way that we're all still friends, right? <laughs> like that we all that we keep that unity that we've had for 25 years, and it's not become it doesn't become a a, a sense that these different you know factions of the city are, are defeating one another. Um, so I think that 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 transition kind of to being a truly big city is is what I'll be a part of. And hopefully successfully. Um, obviously, maps four and, and those investments will be hopefully a successful part of, of the legacy I leave as mayor. And somewhat unusual that I would have to face that challenge, you know, so quickly into my tenure. But that's just kind of what the calendar dictated. Um, I also think I, I hope I leave behind, you know, a different um, a different legacy of, of obviously inclusiveness and diversity and sort of appreciating what Oklahoma City really has had for a long time. It just hasn't highlighted. Um, I, you know, I think it's, I've, I definitely set out, you know, I, I would, it would be entirely reasonable if people assumed when I was running for mayor, like, well, he was mixed chief of staff. It's just kind of like Mick 2.0 or whatever, you know, and, and I certainly learned a lot from him and value him as a, as a, as a friend and obviously an, an incredibly successful mayor for 14 years. But I also knew that the problems of 2018 that I was walking into were vastly different than the challenges of 2004, you know, and you're very much a product of your time. And so uh, as mayor, and so I came in here, um, you know, determined to to be the mayor of this moment and be my own mayor, you know, and I, I hope that people have noticed that. I think one thing that, that hasn't, I haven't touched on as much as I'd like to yet, um, but I've kind of got it in the in the hopper for 2020 and it's something you and i've talked about in the past is obviously education and so you know i'm only you know by the time maps four passes or fails hopefully yeah. passes I'll, I'll be less than two years in office <laughs> got a lot of life ahead of me you know and and uh and and so you know my hope then would be to turn to education and and follow through on on really creating a community vision for public education in oklahoma city like i've talked about but Sometimes, you know, you just can't do it all in the first year, but obviously MAPS 4 has, has dominated and will dominate even more the next six months of my life. But once that's over and that political part of it is behind us, um, that's definitely kind of my, my priority for 2020, I think, is to have that, have that community conversation about public education. So hard to predict today where all that leads, but that could very much be a part of, 
of what I leave behind too. Yeah. And working on on another story, I was uh, revisiting a book, The Metropolitan Revolution, kind of Mm -hmm. a popular uh, book about the transformation of cities from from several years ago. And uh, there's a chapter on Denver specifically on kind of their their regional transit system and how they kind of got to where they were. And uh, there's there's a part where it talks about John Hickenlooper, who was the mayor of Denver. Mm Um, and it says he, he prided himself on saying repeatedly that the days of Denver making decisions for its own benefit without the suburbs are over and this concept of regionalism. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I, was, I was reading that recently and I thought, well, you're coming in the studio. I want, I want to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. And I know you know the mayors of the surrounding mm-hmm. suburbs, but um, it hasn't been something that I've seen a lot of talk about. But I'm curious, mm-hmm. where, where does what role does regionalism play? for you, you know, being the mayor of the of the hub city of this region. Right. And what role do you see the suburban communities playing in, you know, the continued transformation and growth of, of Oklahoma City? Mm-hmm. We're somewhat unusual, as you're well aware, with our size. So, yeah. you know, by being 620 square miles, we so physically dominate the region in a way that very few large cities do. We have, for example, I mean, here's one stat and you could, this would be a fun stat for you to look up. You know, I mean, we, we have 650,000 people in the city proper and there's 1.3, 1.4 in the metro. Well, that ratio of basically the major city having half of the metro population mm-hmm. is very high. Um, you know, we're larger. Oklahoma City, the city of Oklahoma City has more people than the city of Atlanta. Okay. And that blows people's minds because they're like, wait, I, Atlanta's like a top 10 city or yeah. something. Yeah. The metro. The metro is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so if Atlanta only has like 400,000 people in it, that means its metro is like five, six, seven times larger than, than the city, you know? Well, that's not the case here. We have half the people are in our city. So what does that mean for regionalization? It means obviously that it's, it's not as front of mind because we happen to have more of the people in our own city limits than other places. Um, but that's not to say that there's no role for it, obviously. And, and so in transit, in regional transit, it's certainly come up. And I'm excited that this year, you know, we created with Edmund, Norman Moore, Midwest City and Dell City, the, the state's first regional transit authority. Um, we sent Governor Brad Henry and Mary Malone to represent Oklahoma City there. And that's going to be a big conversation as well. Um, slipped my mind for a moment, but there's very, very reason to believe that uh, by the time I leave this office, we'll have made a major regional commitment to transit that'll be historic in, in our in our area, and um, and that 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 conversation looms two or three years out. Um, so that's one manifestation, major manifestation of a regional um, approach. But um, beyond that, no, you're right. I mean, we don't. Uh, you know, we meet at ACOG. I mean, there's there's coordination as appropriate between all the cities, um, but. Um, you know, it hasn't played quite the same role in other places because in other places, you know, there's an there's a interesting relationship when you have 80 percent of your people live outside the city. But everybody who lives in the metro yeah. recognizes that the survival of that city is important. There is like more sort of back and forth trying to figure out a way for everyone to succeed. Whereas here we're kind of just doing it naturally and everybody seems OK. I mean, the suburban areas probably um, wish they had more. Um, financial resources for their own infrastructure. I'm sure that's the case. You know, we're so dependent on sales tax here and that forces us to battle each other sometimes over, you know, which side of the street of Walmart's going to be on. Um, But, you know, we get along great as people and, and, you know, I think Oklahoma City does, is a really good neighbor on a lot, in a lot of emergencies. I mean, we, we don't really, you know, check the city limits when there's a fire. You Mm -hmm. know, we, 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 we rush in with our police and our, first responders um, quickly, you know, um, we have, you know, reciprocal agreements with all of our 
all of our suburbs. So, um, you know, it's a weird thing, obviously, what we have here to have, especially so many suburbs that are interior suburbs that are surrounded yeah. by Oklahoma City on all four sides. Um, and and it makes for uh, for some confusion with, with the electorate where figuring out, trying to figure out what city they actually live in. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I feel like we're in a decent place. Um, I think it's an it's it's an unexplored territory. I yeah. mean, really, regionalism, other than transit, has not has not moved much here. Well, and that's a great point that regionalism maybe looks differently in a city like Oklahoma City because of its size and its scope. And you know, I think about, for example, the the bus rapid transit line along mm-hmm. Northwest Expressway in Classen that's in, in development. Um, I don't believe that that that's all inside Oklahoma City, right? Yes. Yeah, although, it, if it went a little farther than where it's predicted, Meridian. It yeah. would then enter War Acres. But it would be – it is kind of connecting a somewhat suburban community with downtown mm-hmm. without having to leave the city. Yeah. Um, you, know, I, you know, I grew up in Kansas City, which may be the other extreme. I mean, you're <laughs> daily leaving the state and the <laughs> you know, other cities. And it's there's this big battle when you yeah. have the identity of Kansas City, Missouri mm-hmm. that has the sports teams and the arts and the culture. How do you get everyone else to invest in that? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not as big of a challenge here, but probably still somewhat of a, of a challenge, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say. Um, so when you think about, uh, you know, let's talk about transit here, and we've mm-hmm. got just a few minutes left here. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you talk about when you when you leave office, whenever that is, you, you think there'll be some kind of big commitment or, or, or big emphasis on, on regional transit. Specifically, mm-hmm. what do you think that will look like? Well, so we've created this regional transit authority. It has representatives from Edmond, Norman, Moore, Midwest City, Dell City, and Oklahoma City. Um, Oklahoma City has a has a voting weight on the major issues in front of the RTA Regional Transit Authority. That is commensurate with its population and and tax base and so even though we only have two people and all the other cities have one and therefore it would appear we're outnumbered those are two people governor henry and mary malone actually carry more voting power so interesting um but anyways it's a very i don't necessarily think there'll be like contested votes but if there ever were we, we still have you know we still have the appropriate level of of political weight in that conversation but um all of the cities are are you know understand that this rta is just a it's just a meeting without a funding source, you know. I mean, it's got to eventually find a a revenue stream to construct something, and um, you know, the state law allows sales tax, and so you know, I think what they're engaged in—they've just been meeting, you know, since since January—is a planning process so that they can credibly go forward to the voters of, of Oklahoma City, Edmond, Norman, Moore, Midwest City, and Dell City, which is unprecedented. You know, we've had county votes, we've had city votes, we've never had a six-city vote. You know, and uh, and so that looms ahead. But I think the idea is that they would come forward to those to that new voting pool of six combined cities with a plan and and you know some sort of sales tax component um, and and seek the approval of of that of that region to uh, to move forward and, and fund such a plan, pay for such a plan, and uh, and then implement it, which will take many, many years. Mm-hmm. And and it took 10 years to get to this point. And, uh, and it'll take 10 more years. You know, I don't want anyone to think, e- even on the day of a vote, that they're very close to riding a train from Edmond to Norman, you know. But but it's definitely never going to happen if we don't move forward with this planning and then ultimately with implementation and, and, a, and, a, and a tax. Um, you know, nothing is free. So, but, but, you know, we, that's why I sought out somebody like Governor Henry and somebody like Mary Malone, um, obviously who you know well, um, you know, because I wanted people that with a high level of credibility and a high level of experience with civic affairs and understand 
how to how to use these positions and 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 how to oversee things of this magnitude and then how to you know communicate them to the larger public so i'm excited about where it all leads it's very real you know it, it hasn't necessarily gotten a lot of attention or a lot of coverage but um it's something we're definitely highly prioritizing and and again like governor henry was sort of on my a team when i was running for office he said because he's been largely absent you know from public life yeah. in the last eight years and i but when I was running for mayor, he said, you know, I, I really want to do something again, something big, you know. And I, so I, I filed that away. And when this came along, I said, this is the thing. This is the thing I want to use some, a member of my A-team on, you know. I've got somebody with that credibility and that experience um, to do something this important. So he's the chair uh, yeah. now of the RTA. So um, that's what the RTA is, and that's where regional transit goes. It also means that as we talk about MAPS 4 and we talk about transit in MAPS 4, we're not talking about regional transit. We sort of have that now. Yep. It's kind of been handed off to this other group of people, really a different government now. And uh, and so when we do talk about transit in MAPS 4, it will be more about our bus system, our intra-city you know, transit. Yeah. Well, final question for you. Maybe the most sure. important is how much do you miss being in the state Senate? Not I mean, at all. It's got to no. be. I'm sure it's, it's like just a... driving at you. You read the stories. <laughs> you want to get in there, right? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, no. Would I? Would I read? There was. This, oh, you guys must have fun with them, you know. But stories about there was this suggestion, some hearing being gaveled closed, and then the governor storming up to somebody's office, and the door was locked. And I was just thinking, oh my goodness, what a mess! Like, and I just don't miss that at all. It was just all those reindeer games, you know. But um, I, I loved obviously why I did this initially was being able to step into. A great, you know, professional, well-intentioned government, visionary background, you know, a track record of success, uh, very functional, you know, and and none of that silliness. And I I work really hard every day to make sure that it never creeps in uh, to Oklahoma City's City Hall. And uh, so far, so good. And I think we're, you know, we're we're all getting to know each other now. We sort of have this new team, those these nine mm-hmm. of us, you know, and. Um, you know, and many of us, you know, didn't, I didn't know personally, um, two of the three newest, newest council members and, until, you know, they were uh, running and, and winning. But I think we're all, you know, we're all f- figuring each other out and everything. But I, but I just sort of throughout the whole thing, because I think this is the failing really the legislature ultimately is just the lack of sort of human empathy and, and the ability for people to break through their partisan divisions and their rural urban divisions and and so i i work really hard with with our city council to make sure that we we treat each other with respect and and civility and and we give each other heads ups on things and we're just very transparent and that doesn't mean like that we're always going to vote the same way but but that it's not some sort of gotcha thing all the time and um so far so good but that's that's a big part of my role i mean nobody else but the mayor can really um, help the help the nine people sort of stay, you know, a, 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 an effective, um, you know, respectful civil body that's moving the city forward. Um, and and I think probably lessons learned in the legislature and and things that could have been done maybe to to keep everybody um, more civil and and more productive. And I try to now that I'm sort of sitting in that seat. As the central figure there, I, I try to fulfill that role as best I can. Is that largely a product because you don't have to work with an R or D next to your name? I mean, is that well? That helps. Yeah. I mean, that it's helps. But even if we did, I'd like to think we could overcome that. You yeah. know, but but certainly the fact that you don't have that, um, I think, helps. Yeah. You know? I mean, last week on this on this episode, we had Representative Shane Stone, and the topic came up of Democrats that were going after him because he'd endorsed a Republican, which was his dad running for city mm. council. 
in a nonpartisan race. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it, it creeps into it. In, in partisan politics, it's a major part of just a political sphere and something that we cover. But yeah. um, it, it's not a part of, of, of city politics. And I just wonder if that is kind of providing this. No, it definitely you know, helps. I mean, yeah. I think I, I mean, I I've, at this point in my life just despise partisanship and, and the fact that it divides us the way it does. And and basically it's gotten to the point where people don't even have principles anymore. They just have a, a jersey, you know, and yeah. uh, and and so, no, I love that aspect of Oklahoma City Hall. And because, I mean, and, you know, and I say this and I will get hate mail saying this. Why even bring in partisan? I mean, you know, you were a Republican in, in the Senate, but, you know, you're just talking about working with, you know, Congresswoman Kendra Horn. Mm-hmm. And it would I guarantee it would be hard to find a Republican who would say something positive about Horn or vice versa. I mean, you know, <laughs> and, and it just kind of allows you that freedom to be able to work yeah. with the with you yeah. know, the elected officials around you. Yeah, which which is as it should be. And, um, you know, there's a time for the arguments. Uh, it's the election time. And I think that election time should be somewhat finite. And then you move on and you work together. And um, and yeah, I mean, these all I really want now in elected officials are people who are thoughtful and civil and and have good intentions um and and beyond that i mean we'll work through the policy differences mm-hmm. you know and we'll find if we really talk to each other we'll find some sort of compromise that pleases 80 percent of the electorate uh, and you kind of have to let the extremes go you know but um as long as somebody is sort of practical and pragmatic i don't really care anymore what their you know their party registration is um or even what their particular views on issues are as long as they're willing to let other people succeed sometimes and find win-win solutions. You know, everything about American politics right now is I win, you lose, you mm-hmm. know, and and guess what? That never actually happens, so nothing's happening, you yeah. know, at the state and federal levels, especially at the federal level. And um, here at Oklahoma City, for 25 years or more, we have found a way to uh, to let, let me win a little and let you win a little. And that spirit of compromise um, has to continue and obviously it's going to be inherent to maps for maps is inherently a compromise um you know as long as you feel like some of the needs of the community that you perceive are being met um you have to be okay with the fact that somebody else is going to see some of the needs that they perceive being met and not be mad about that you know and not want everything just the way you want it you know because we learned in like elementary school that doesn't work you know so uh, I'm going to continue to stand for that ideal just as much as any sort of political proposition. I'm, I continue to stand for, you know, just a, the way of government that made this country great for 200 years that we need to return to. So just as much as anything else I do as mayor, I also think, you know, that one of my legacies that I try to leave as a public servant is, you know, governing the way that it actually works, which is through pragmatism and compromise um, and and collaboration between people who have different worldviews. Yeah. Well, uh, Mayor Holt, we'll let you um, get back to tweeting at C. Blackmire. I'm sure your feed is <laughs> just an hour off. It's probably already full uh, with that. So, but uh, Mayor, no, thanks so much for your time. Really Thank appreciate you, it. Ben. Thanks for all you guys do. Really appreciate it. it I, you know, the the newspaper specifically and the media in general um, play such a critical role in in our story here. I want people to know what's going on at City Hall, and and you do a great job. You and Bill Crum and everybody else here who covers City Hall, especially does a great job. Well, I appreciate that. that. And, you know, the transformational aspect of what we're doing, too. We're in a state of transition and trying to figure that out. So hopefully we can figure that out together. So, well, Mayor Holt, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Political State Podcast, which you can find each and every week on your favorite podcasting app, also on YouTube or at Oklahoman.com. I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.